Hi, everyone, and welcome to What Would My Shrink Say, a podcast where you get inside the heads of a couple psychologists and see life through their eyes. You'll never be the same. Hey, Todd. Dr. Wignall, how are you? I am, I'm excited. I'm excited to be here. Yeah? I'm excited about our topic we're going to talk about. This I'm is excited. a fun one. I'm excited this about podcasting. One. It's a good day. It's a good day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think we're talking about the fundamental attribution error. What a mouthful. Yeah, isn't it? <laughs> this is one of those like terms that um, sounds like super scientific or something. Fancy. Yeah. <laughs> but when you distill it down to what it is, I mean, and it's everywhere. Yeah. Right. Why don't you explain what the fundamental attribution error okay, is? So I'm, I'm going to admit here right off the bat, this is one of these psychology things <laughs> that I basically know, but I'm never sure that I actually know what it is. So oh. I find myself Wikipediaing it it's, constantly. It's related to a few other terms closely related. Actually, if you, there's a Venn diagram of a few terms, they'd be mm-hmm. all really overlapping here. But go ahead from your understanding. Yeah, I, this comes from, I think, from social psychology. And social psychology was just always fascinating, but kind of overwhelming to me. It was uh. always, there's just like didn't seem very well ordered. I had a hard time creating like a mental map of, whereas with like clinical, you kind of, I don't know, everything kind of had its box and it's It's more categorized and yeah, but social psychology, like for better and worse, was just kind of wild. It's like the wild west. More amorphous. And yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, there's a lot of my junk here, but I'm just going to read, I'm going to quote from Wikipedia. Let's do it. The fundamental attribution error is according to Wikipedia, Fundamental attribution error is the tendency for people to underemphasize situational explanations for a person's behavior and overemphasize personality-based explanations. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. So to, it's when people underemphasize situational explanations or like environmental explanations for things and overemphasize personality or internal explanations for things. So what's, let's, can you give us an example maybe of what this would look you know, like? You know, a real basic example without a lot of psychological kind of context is, is um, I see an outfielder during a baseball game miss a, uh, a fly ball, mm. right? And I say, that guy's an idiot. Right. You know, he's never, he's not a good How ball player. He doesn't practice baseball? hard. He doesn't take this seriously. And, and I don't give any credit to the fact that the sun was directly in his face as that ball was coming down or that that guy hit the ball so freaking high that um, it, it took a while for him to even see the ball, you know, let alone. So I, I underemphasize the environmental kind of uh, things that could have contributed to him dropping the ball, and I attribute it all to his stupid personality and his person. Totally. As to why he did that. That's a great example. Yep. So so we tend to do this a lot. I think the, the reason this is a term is we tend to kind of habitually do this, where mm-hmm. when we see people um, behave, we tend to attribute a lot of that behavior to some kind of internal uh, motivation rather than really realizing the environment commands a lot of, um, or, or might have been more involved in their decision to do X, Y, and Z than their personality. So other than sort of an, an interesting finding in social psychology, how does this come up like in people's personal lives? Like how do, does this come up in therapy with your clients? Like what, how does this end up being problematic in a practical way for people? It, it tends to be really more ingrained and pervasive in people who are struggling with depression and anxiety sometimes because they attribute a lot of, you know, 
behavior in their environment by others to they don't like me and they hate me. They're selfish. They're assholes. They're this, mm -hmm. they're that. And not that, you know, so-and-so hasn't called me because they just don't care about me and they're thoughtless mm -hmm. and they're this and they're that. And not because their phone died, you know, and, and maybe that had more to do with them not calling you back than, than, um, uh, them being an asshole. Or uh, maybe they were just really busy at work and didn't see your text. And maybe it's more of that than um, they're selfish and they don't care about anybody but themselves. Yeah. And so you see a lot of attribution to um, people around them that is more dictated by what they think of the person personally than what the actual environment is demanding of that person. Where do you think this comes from? Like, and I, I'm not super up to date on like the literature on that. Maybe, maybe the research talks about this, but like where, what, is this like a <laughs> biological thing? Is it just sort of, is it like an evolutionary thing? Is it more of a cultural thing? Like where, where I, do you uh, think this comes from? Well, well, before I answer that though, I'll, I'll go on to say, you remember there, I said that there was a Venn diagram of, of, of a few terms that might kind of be related mm -hmm. to this. One of them is the actor observer bias mm. where I almost do the opposite if it's me, right? If, if I catch that fly ball or if I miss that fly ball, I say the sun was in my freaking eyes <laughs> and it had nothing to do with the fact that I didn't practice it all this yeah. week or that I, you know, whatever. So I think we're just, it's an interesting thing. When you look at both of those things hmm. together, you kind of go, wow, we have this tendency to really kind of attribute a lot of negative things to the people. Whereas when we make an error when we do something, we want to attribute it all to our glory and our, mm -hmm. or, or our, or the sun and the environment, you know? So it's, it's an interesting thing. Yeah. So maybe, and one of the things you'll hear, I remember learning about this in, in my clinical program is that in certainly in depression. And, and I think sometimes in, in other forms of mental health issues, like anxiety, this, that normal, again, like statistically normal, most people, when some, when they're struggling with something, um, they're going to attribute it to external circumstances, not to mm. internal circumstances. And when someone else is struggling, they're going to turn it. But with, in some cases, that process gets flipped. And so someone who's depressed, for instance, might attribute everything bad in their life to, I'm just a screw up. Like if I wasn't such a screw up, I mm. wouldn't feel depressed. People would love me more. Like my kids would be more successful. And like they, they ignore kind of environmental factors yeah. um, at the and, and over attribute to their own kind of internal qualities like super invalidating practice mm -hmm. yeah incredibly yeah and, and so you're right in the cases of someone with like depression anxiety there tends to be this habitual pattern of internalizing um, um, issues rather than really kind of being able to step back and be somewhat more objective about what's going on yeah and the problem seems to be that they because it's not like there are probably some valid instances of that. Like, yes, if you, if you like, if you are feeling down and kind of unmotivated, part of that is probably because you haven't done much lately. And if you mm -hmm. went for mm -hmm. a run or went for a walk or you would probably feel a little bit better. So some of it is down to you. Mm -hmm. right? Fair enough. Mm -hmm. But come, some of it could be partly the genetics you inherited or this incredibly stressful thing that happened in your life or the fact that it's, 15 degrees outside and like who wants to walk around when it's 15 degrees outside, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, that doesn't absolve you of any responsibility, but it, it is a factor in the equation. Yeah. Um, yeah. But if you don't acknowledge that those subtleties and you just sort of make it all about how much you suck as a person, right? It's a little unrealistic. Yeah. I had this conversation twice today, actually, where, where the invalidation that comes from 
noticing your pain or discomfort or frustration with something um, and then kind of reacting in kind to that is, is, is so invalidating where, where, and what I mean by that is if you can show up in that moment and go, man, it is freezing outside and, and man, I don't want to go on my walk and I don't, Oh geez. And it's, and it's, I'm tired and all, all those things are true, right? It, it, most everybody gets there where they can kind of go, okay, I recognize I feel this way. Mm-hmm. The trick then is to kind of go, okay, given that I feel this way and I, you know, have this value system, what are my options as far as what is like pro Todd in this moment, <laughs> right? What, what kind of behavioral choices do I have that might actually get Todd to where he wants to go in life? Because if I do this, ah, fuck it, it's cold, and I'm not doing it, you know, then it's like, oh, that's the most invalidating thing. It's like I've selected now from a, a like, a um, anti-Todd point of view. Um, but I think to really validate how you feel and say, you know what, I do feel this way. It's hard. You know, it's not easy, and, and, and it's not it's not going to be fun. And, and you know what, even if I choose not to go out on my walk, I don't want to, like, hate myself for that. Or bash myself, you know, I, I still want to make another pro Todd decision to kind of let that be for today. And maybe I get my walk in tomorrow, but it's just really funny when people get to that point where their emotions are telling them something and they recognize it. Can you take the next step and like complete the validating process by selecting a pro you choice behavioral option rather than not? It's probably a good point to announce that we are finally monetizing this podcast <laughs> by selling I am Pro Todd t-shirts. I am Pro Todd, yeah, Pro Todd t-shirts. <laughs> so if you'd like to order some of those. <laughs> okay, I've got sort of a hot take on this, the fundamental attribution error and therapy. Okay. So we, you just explained this where we can become a victim to the fundamental attribution error with ourselves by sort of overemphasizing our personal defects and not being kind of compassionate enough or validating with the fact that there are other external reasons too why mm-hmm. this is hard for us, right? Mm-hmm. And that actually doing those, giving giving yourself a little vote for vote for Todd might actually help you kind of achieve whatever goal or value it is you want you want to move toward, right? I think systemically mental health professionals and therapists contribute to this. Ooh. I think we are way too biased oh. towards internal factors in emotional struggles. Uh, I see what you're and saying. And not nearly sensitive enough to the legitimacy of environmental, social, structural contributors to emotional struggles and, and mental health difficulties. I see, I see I where you we, went there. We are infatuated with the idea that it, like, it's all about like internal reasons or, yeah. inter- or de- like repressed desires yeah. or old traumas and memories or like, and we, and we just blatantly ignore the fact that there is this huge stressor in your life. Like yeah, legitimately your, your job is terrible and it stresses the hell out of you every single day. Yeah. And that, that is not the only reason why, you know, you're anxious, but that is a very big piece of the equation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And to myopically focus on like, well, how can I be more realistic about thinking about, you know, how frustrating my manager is being? <laughs> like, you're only going to go so far with that when there are these major environmental reasons why you're feeling the way you're feeling. Yeah, so we could, so you're saying, you know, psychologists in, in particular could do a better job of appreciating the environmental stressors in someone's life 
rather than kind of constantly honing in on their thought process, their emotional kind of response pattern, their behaviors. Yeah, I mean, obviously all that stuff is important right. for sure. But right. like, I guess what I'm saying it's is... It's not all up to that. Therapists, counselors, psychologists, psychiatrists should all have to like intern as social workers for a while. <laughs> <laughs> to see like the real environmental Your impact of some of these matters, stressors. Right? I, I agree. If you're trying to, if you're, if you're kind of constantly beating yourself up for not being satisfied in your relationship, um, and, and one of the issues is that your, your partner has a major opioid addiction, <laughs> you know, right. it, it could be that the problem's not, you know, you're not patient enough. Right. Right. <laughs> and no amount of self-help books is going to, is going to move the needle significantly. Right. Issue, right. Right. You can try super hard and put so much time and energy and thoughtfulness into you doing things better. But like th there is a limit on that a lot yeah, of the time. And, and you're handling that situation um, adaptively might really mean you come to terms with what that kind of um, addiction, you know, what, what's encompassed in that kind of situation. And, and not that not that it's an impossible situation, but that you really do orient to like how difficult that's going to be. You're going to have to really appreciate that. Yeah. And I think as as hard as intimidating and intimidating as it is to say, try and change your negative self-talk or have more realistic expectations for people or, or all these, or, or sort of come to terms with your trauma or whatever it is, all these internal strategies that we do, which are hard for sure. I think in a lot of ways, making major structural environmental changes to your life are often harder. And so we tend to avoid those more. We don't want to see those. Mm -hmm. And we want to convince ourselves that it's, it's just my thinking. It's just my relationship mm -hmm. with my emotions. It's just, if I can only like get better at being more assertive or being more self-aware. And I, I, it's a kind of denial that I think we contribute to as mental health professionals because we don't help, we don't model for people that there is a way to acknowledge the seriousness of how your environment impacts you without resorting to this like shirking all responsibility and just saying mm -hmm. like well it's just i'm just in a terrible environment and that's why everything yeah. is terrible like I, I just think we could be way better about presenting the the contributors to suffering in a balanced realistic way well i think defining that too or, or getting the outline of that at least you know your own behavioral choices in that context you know are, are kind of uh clarified by by truly appreciating the environmental stressor you know you, you it kind of does kind of elucidate like oh basically here's my option you know i don't if i can truly appreciate the environmental stressor i know what my options are around it or if i'm constantly going after my own shortcomings or um whatever that's probably not going to be the not going to help you yeah. appreciate what's going on um i remember this i was listening to this podcast and it was about it was kind of about self-improvement and and the, the guy was talking about how a mate, like he used this example of having back pain, like he had back pain, mm -hmm. um, and especially at, at his office where he was working. And he was looking up like, well, what do, what do you do about back pain? And he said a surprising amount of the sort of suggested articles and, and recommendations about back pain were like, you should start meditating and like change your relationship to pain, right? Or you really need to work on like your self-talk around pain. Mm -hmm. Or, or even some of the stuff was like, it's all these exercises you can do to like strengthen your lower back muscles. And, but, but all of these were like the, these things like internal, like habits and things you need to be doing differently. 
And he said, he tried all of these things and they were moderately successful to one degree. None of them really fixed the problem and they were all very time consuming mm-hmm. and hard. You know what, you know what fixed his back problem? <laughs> he bought a better chair. <laughs> Literally overnight his back, not Is overnight, right? but yeah. like very quickly, yeah. the back pain just went away. So all the exercises you do, if you go still <laughs> sit in that chair every day. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so... Uh, you can't buy your way to happiness in in a lot of situations. Yeah. But I think there is a weird way in which some people in our profession were kind of masochistic about like it involves this like every every dilemma and form of suffering involve like has to involve crazy amounts of like deep internal work and self awareness mm. and like major refactoring of the way we think about the world and ourselves yeah. and like that, yes, that stuff's important, but you can't, I think people just so often ignore like relatively straightforward environmental changes. That, that you're going home every day to an abusive relationship. Yeah. And, and no matter how much, you know, uh, positive self-talk and, and behavioral activation you're doing, if you're going home and, and someone's treating you like absolute crap every day, that's going to be a difficult, um, uh, challenge to to overcome every day of your life. Yeah. Or, or not, the one I see a lot, I hear a lot about is um, eating and diet and people wanting to, to work on their weight or have better nutrition or whatever. And they always come in and the way they frame it, not always, but often the way they frame it is like, I wish I was just more disciplined. I wish I had more willpower mm-hmm. so I could resist eating. You know, I just, I got home and like, I always, I just go straight for the candy bars or like mm-hmm. the chips or whatever as soon as I get home. And to me, it's like, yeah, I guess you could work on that. But you know, you know what else you could do? You could just, <laughs> you could maybe like start meal planning and only mm. buying foods that are healthy at the grocery store mm-hmm. so that you don't even have temptations when you get so home readily from work. available, like a little stimulus control kind of. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like uh, not all the time, but a lot of times the, <laughs> the best way to have willpower is to design your environment such that you don't need willpower in the first place. Mm-hmm. And you obviously can't do that all the time. Right. But I think we, we, we miss, there's so many opportunity, easy, oper- relatively easy opportunities there in terms of environmental design and change that we miss because we're kind of, we're like obsessed with this idea that it has to be this like internal stuff all the time. Should just feel my way through this. Instead. Yeah. Or think yeah. my way out of yeah. it or like learn my way out of it or theorize yeah. my way out of it or, yeah, and I, I just I, again I don't want to say that's the, that stuff is obviously super important. Sure, um, but I just think we're we're biased too much in that. Sometimes, direction. yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I, I think in the case of a lot of my patients, I realize they go home to environments that are really unhealthy. Yeah, and that's and then for one, it's like man, that's a significant contributing factor of what's going on for this person. I can't ignore that. I don't want to ignore that. You know that they, yeah. that they go home to a. Uh, to two special needs children that require a lot of attention and they, this person has to work out or, or work, you know, 50 hours a week because of, you know, this issue. And it's, and those are significant issues in people's lives. Um, the, the other part though, with the fundamental attribution error is that it, it does kind of give us a frame of reference for how we judge other people too, mm-hmm. you know, to really kind of, um, watch the way you attribute, you know, um, good things, bad things to other people <laughs> rather than kind of realizing, wow, the environment has so much to do. You know, a funny example of this is um, my uncle and I were having a conversation one time about Chinese food. Um, and he liked a specific t- Chinese food that I didn't like. But in the end, we kind of just, he, he made this really brilliant observation of, I think you just like what you're kind of used to. <laughs> 
and, and I thought, oh, that's really true that, you know, a, a lot of times we, we blame, like, you don't have a, you don't have a sense of taste. You don't know what real right. good food is. You don't. Primitive palate. <laughs> or, or is it just that that's the kind of stuff they were brought up around yeah. and, you know, in, in their environment that they have no control of and that's what they do, you know? And so for all of us to take a step back and look at how, look at how we attribute fault to other people or blame mm-hmm. or, or some of those things and, and have maybe a bit more respect for the environmental stressors in our lives and other people's lives to be a little bit more graceful. Hey everyone, Nick and I really appreciate you listening to the podcast. Please rate us on iTunes if you get a chance. And if you have any feedback or comments for us, that'd be great as well. And if you have any questions or topics you'd like us to cover in the podcast, let us know in the comment section as well. Thanks.